0: Forty nine is deep in the heart, like Joe Montana in the corner, deep heart, Garrison Hurst, Stiff Farm, going ninety nine. Don't get it twisted, one and all with five time John Tillis, Jerry Rice down the sideline, NDP, greatest owner of all time, Groovy, Walgre, Bill Bellachek, were all students of Bill Watts. Don't
1: ever forget. I'm Lee Gowland, I'm Brian Davis, and this is the 49 Niner Faithful UK show.
0: Here is one wide open for the touchdown. song What a start opening drive, 49ers on top, Mullins over the middle, comes touchdown, Kendrick Bourne, Carr sacked again, another play by Mullins, gotta make one and he does, first down and more, Richie James, off to the races. Inside the 25, knocked down by Nelson. Another big play. Mullins passes. What a catch by Kittle. A one-handed grab. Foot race. Down near the five. Play action. Wide open. Kittle, touchdown. Mostert gets it on a toss. Running right. No pursuit. Mostert. Inside the 10! Touchdown 49ers! What a night!
1: Welcome back to the 49er Faithful UK show and that is the final battle of the beer in the books. In a result which may have surprised quite a few 49er fans we witness a third string quarterback lead the Niners in tying up the all-time head-to-head record at 7-7 and come away victorious in the final battle of the beer. An interview that Shanahan gave before the game, I kind of liked his answer to the whole question about the Battle of the Bay. And his response was, there's only one team in the Bay as far as I'm concerned. We've never left. The source of the win can come down to a number of factors. I know a lot of people are saying it was solely down to the fact that we changed the quarterback, but that isn't true you need to look into factors like oakland were garbage they were really really poor the whole team actually played for a full four quarters yesterday we generated a pass rush which we failed to do many many times this season we didn't turn the ball over there was no dodgy officiating decisions which we have experienced quite a number of times this season and uh, most importantly we didn't make any critical pen- penalties against us which either stopped momentum or forced us back on the night there was a couple of milestones and um, the first milestones is, or the first milestone is Mullen's passer rating of 151.9 was the highest since 1970 for a quarterback with at least 20 passing attempts in a debut and the game also served up a few firsts it was Nick Mullins first start completion touchdown and win We also saw Pierre Garçon get his first touchdown as a 49er. As well as that, a little unknown undrafted free agent called Ross Dweller, or Dwelly, he got his first reception as a rookie tight end out of San Diego. How did you find the game went, Brian?
2: Well, You listen to that crowd, and some people are telling us that the way to win is to lose and get a high draft pick. Just You listen to those plays, and you listen to what it means to win a game of football and to play that well. It was brilliant, wasn't it? It was absolutely
1: fantastic. And the noise when Kittle made that one-handed catch. Unbelievable.
2: Yeah, it was uh, what a catch. It was a sensational catch, wasn't it?
1: <laughs> it was unbelievable. I've been ro- watching it on Rewind time and time again. <laughs> Today, I was that impressed with it. It was unbelievable. Mm. Definitely unbelievable. Right, so negative wise, it, it, I'll be honest, I found it difficult to come out with any negatives, any real negatives, compared to what we have come out uh, over the course of the season so far. And to be honest, I've really only got the two negatives personally. Um, the first negative I had was it was the Auckland Raiders we were playing, and they were shambolic to to a degree <laughs> that we haven't been shambolic this season. So that was a negative against the win, the fact that Auckland Raiders were so bad. But that doesn't mm. take away take anything away from the way we played because we still had to execute. But that was definitely a, a negative for me. And the only other negative for me was the injury to Mostert because that's going to have ramifications in the off-season. He's due to be a free agent in March. In the short time where we've actually been using him as a running back, he's probably shown enough for other teams to be interested and think we might take a chance on him. And I think because of that, that might push up his price for us to re-sign him. So I'm not sure whether or not he's a certainty to be re-signed before he hits free agency in March. Um, Like you said, it was a particularly gruesome injury. It wasn't very nice to watch that. And we wish him a speedy recovery. It it kind of reminds us of the scene from Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets where Professor Lockhart tries (laughs) to mend Harry's broken heart (laughs) and it just flops down (laughs) because there's no bone left in it. I I know it's bad to laugh about it because... I can't imagine the pain he went through and it did look yeah. really bad, but that's, that was the very first thing that popped into my head. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean you negative could tell from wise, the screaming, couldn't you? That it was oh, badly. yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, at first, I, I actually thought it was going to be a knee injury, to be honest. Obviously, the, the way he went down, the way the camera angle was, I, I didn't actually see him a, a problem with his arm, I thought it was going to be his knee. And I think Alan Bales actually mentioned it in the thread straight away, and he said, that's an arm, that's a broken arm, that. And everybody else was saying it Mm. was his knee. So obviously Alan saw something that nobody else did. Um, But yeah, it was a very nasty injury. Uh, And it kind of sums up our season, to be honest, with some of the injuries that we have had. But yeah, I mean, I'm quite happy that those are the only two real negatives I can come out with from last night's game.
2: Yeah, I mean I'd definitely like to see most come back next year. He's earned it. He's he's been a bit of a sort of revelation, hasn't he, stepping up when um you know, Breeders had some time injured and obviously McKinnon we haven't seen at all this season. Whether he'll come back as a, a number three or a possible sort of um number two I, I really don't know. He's probably shown enough, like you say, over the last sort of three or four weeks now, that possibly he could go somewhere and uh, compete for a starting role somewhere. So yeah, he may be may have priced himself out of uh, out of the market for for a number three running back to stay in San Francisco.
1: Yeah, that's that's a concern c- I have.
2: Yeah, I'd certainly like to see us sign somebody. We spoke about three or four weeks ago, didn't we, about um, the sort of the free agents that are out there, and I think. Someone like a Shane Vereen, is uh, I believe is still out there. Um, he is, someone yeah. like him I think would um would be a good good sign in for us to to come in and just sort of fill that gap um over the sort of the remainder of the season because he's got that sort of quick burst and and that energy um to to sort of hit the hole hard and he's going to be or well, potentially someone like him could be invaluable in in the, in the passing game to someone like a Nick Mullins.
1: Yeah, definitely. and also the
2: most injuries probably going to hurt our special teams as well because obviously he's a good contributor there, running downfield, the gunning people down. So yeah, it's uh, it it will be quite a big loss, I think, because as we've seen in Alfred Morris the last well most of this season, even though he's averaging uh, a, a decent sort of click every time he runs, it's uh, it's just. It, He's much slower, isn't he? I call him treacle toes because he, he, rather than sort of twinkle toes, because he always seems to look like he's treading water when he when he's running, isn't he? It just seems like a lot of hard work. It does, Uh, yeah. yeah, he makes a a three yard run look like a ten yard run at times, doesn't he? Yeah,
1: he does. And to be honest, I mean, Alfred Morris is a really frustrating player because you'll see him, you'll see him get stopped pretty much at the line of scrimmage on three or four runs. And, and you'll be really frustrated about that. And you'll be sat there thinking, oh, God, why did we give it to Morris? And then the very next time yeah. Morris runs, he, he breaks out a 14, 15-yard run. Yeah. Just, just at the time when you're thinking, for God's sake, give the ball to somebody else. Mm. So, yeah, he, I, I find yeah, it very that, frustrating happened. to watch.
2: Yeah, that's happened several times this season when I've been sort of watching the game, making notes, and I'm like, oh, Morris for a loss in the backfield. Why do we persist with Morris? Morris burst through for 11 yards. Oh, OK. <laughs> You know, yeah, and it's, it's, it's happened so many times this season. I mean, yeah, the most injuries are negative. The only negative that I would really come up with, and I'd really be nitpicking at this point, and that would just be the sort of say that that two minute drill before half time. Uh, we we had a chance to really sort of uh, step on the throat of oakland there, and and it, we sort of um Breeder really got stuff for a loss on second down, didn't he? And uh, I thought that was a little bit too conservative on that second down, yeah. Because uh, the Raiders then took a timeout and potentially they could have uh, got the ball back and. Uh, and scored on us there, and I think on the third down play that was when Richie James had that huge um, gain on the sort of slant across the middle um, for fifty-six yards. And Oakland brought the blitz on that play, and, and Mullins was brilliant because he beat him. And um, yeah, I thought that would be the only bit that I'd be nitpicking at there, and, and it really would be nitpicking to sort of uh, to to moan at that because we still scored points on that drive, and that that's pretty much the only thing that I can think of really.
1: Yeah, which is good considering every single week we, we've had such a, a sheet full of um, negatives. I mean, both mm. both our notes have looked fairly depressing as you uh, rack up negative after negative after negative, so it was really good to yeah. come away from that. And even though it was, the Auckland Raiders, like I've already said, you still need to execute, and we did that, yeah, yeah, and we you did that it. well. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm happy to say then, let's move on to the positives because I think both of us be itching to talk about Nick Mullins and <laughs> what he brought to the game last night, and I've I've got to say it, it was it was a I think you've already put it in your notes as well. I think. So I think we both agree on this. We both felt it was an unknown quantity, so we had absolutely no idea how last night's game was going to go. He'd obviously had a yeah, good showing right. against yeah. the Dallas Cowboys in preseason, but that was effectively against third stringers. So yeah. it, it wasn't a real good yardstick to what he could do, but his accuracy did look good in preseason. So I, I was really looking forward to seeing how he did, and he certainly didn't let us down. Um, so the stats for Nick Mullen on the day, 16 completions, 22 attempts, 262 yards and three touchdowns. And for somebody starting his first game on, on Thursday night football with the nation watching him, that was absolutely fantastic.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean I did sort of fear the worst a little bit when I saw the inactives and obviously Mullins starting it was pretty much that we were entering into the unknown somewhat, wasn't it? But yeah, he was efficient. Um didn't take any sacks, didn't turn the ball over. Um I think thought the, the play calling Kyle schemed up for him was absolutely fantastic. Um yeah, it was it was really good. I, I think We just need to be a little bit careful that we need to sort of reel in somewhat some of our optimism and remember that it was the Raiders that we were playing, not taking away anything from the game. Um, You know, the Raiders pretty much gave up in the last stages of that game, so it's going to be really interesting to see how he does if he's afforded the opportunity to play against the Giants and beyond. Because I think at this point, you have to say he's got to start against the Giants, hasn't he?
1: Yeah, without shadow of a doubt. I really hope he does start against the Giants. I think he's earned his shot. I think what was more impressive about what he did last night was the fact that he's come in on a short week and he's run the Mm. offence like he's owned the offence. He's made a couple of throws that could have turned out badly but ended up being huge gains for us instead. So, I I said, some of his throws, you kind of winced a bit and thought, oh, that was close. Um, But... When you look at what he was doing, I mean, he, he was hitting the secondary receivers. His primary receiver was covered. He'd go straight over to his secondary and he'd hit them no yeah, problem. Yeah. And he was frequently identifying the open receiver as well. And that's yeah. something that uh, I know Bethard, he, he doesn't do that well. He, he doesn't recognise the open receiver. He's got his favourites and he, and he makes the throws to get the ball to his favourite, whether or not they're in coverage. But you look at Nick Mullins and there's a couple of comments made in the group about the O-line projected him better than they have done Bethard. That's not true. I think the O-line's been really, really good this season, to be honest, in my
2: opinion.
1: Um, I think the difference between Nick Mullins and CJ Bethard is Nick Mullins has got a lightning quick release and he also makes Mm. decisions quickly as well, which means he's not holding on to the ball. The one where he was just about to get sacked and he had the presence of mind to throw to the floor in front of him, but also yep. in the direction of an eligible receiver. I thought that was fantastic from a lad that was starting his very first game. So he definitely has the football brain there, and coupled with the lightning quick release and being able to make decisions quickly, I think he does have a future. But like you said, let's not get carried away because it was the Oakland Raiders. Let's see what he's like against a better defence um, certainly right, yeah. the, the, the Giants have got to be better than the Auckland Raiders because they were absolutely shambolic last night um, if he gets on well in that game if he does start and he gets a game after that then he comes up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are definitely a better defence than both the Giants and the Raiders so it'll be that mm-hmm. game in three weeks time that'll actually show us how good he is
2: Yeah, and obviously he gets extra time to prepare for the Giants game as well. So he gets extra time um, continuing to learn the playbook, which by all accounts he's already completely familiar with because he's spending extra time going through um, all of the playbook. And from what the the game callers were saying last night, he was basically going out there practicing on his own with um, crowd noise in his helmet and stuff like that. And you can't ask for any more than your third choice quarterback to be going out and preparing in that way, can you? Um, he does get rid of the ball quicker. Um, he had a good timing and he was accurate. He, he was—it uh, was—it was a very exciting debut to watch. And he's actually the first player in 40 ers history to throw for three touchdowns in his first game for the team.
1: To to right, your uh,
2: statistics from there, I, yeah,
1: I missed that milestone. So, th- does he actually remind you of any particular quarterback the way he plays? <laughs>
2: Well, there was once a quarterback who went to Southern Miss and won number four, and he lived a little dangerously at times in the NFL, and his career turned out to be pretty good, didn't it?
1: <laughs> well, it had to um, turn out to be pretty good, because he played for like 40 years. I think he unretired yeah, well, yeah, exactly, 27 yeah, years yeah, in a row.
2: Yeah, about five times. <laughs> um, yeah, let's not try and pretend that maybe we have someone similar right now, because um, it's... It was the Raiders, and he does wear number four because of Favre, but it was a little uncanny at times, I thought, particularly that throw to Kittle uh, for the 71-yard gain because that (laughs) was was like, I mean, what a throw. I mean, it was in triple coverage, and... From by all accounts, Kittle's shut his eyes when he's made the catch. From what's in his, um, <laughs> he's somehow made the catch, and he's burst through the middle of three defenders who were sort of in a triangle, and they all looked like they were about to light him up at any point. And somehow he's come away with a ball. The safety's taken an absolutely awful angle at him, and and uh, yeah, he's, he's gone down the field for a huge gain. And, uh, and then he's he's got the touchdown on the... Um, on the next play, hasn't he? And yeah, yeah uh, that w- there was a touch of five in that um, in that throw.
1: So so that was one of the throws I was talking about where I winced a little bit as he threw into triple coverage, yeah. um, but yeah. it ended up being a huge gain. And to be honest, if any player in the history of the NFL was more deserving of a touchdown than that, I would like you to send me the link so I can watch it. <laughs> because I was good at for Kittle he didn't get a touchdown on that because that player definitely deserved a touchdown it was absolutely yeah, it fantastic
2: yeah and I thought Mullins was probably playing as if he knows it may only be his only shot so he had nothing to lose yeah so, I think you're right me- yeah maybe he was out there making a point but I think he you know he's definitely stated his case and yeah as I said just now he's um, he's played so well that Twitter verified him during the game
1: <laughs> yeah I thought that was I excellent mean, when that, they mentioned that us that
2: shows you the what a time to be alive. <laughs> yeah,
1: definitely. I think I've missed the opportunity to uh, call you Mr. Cowboy, Mr. Aiken's love child, because you think so like. Yeah, oh, I found no, that I funny when. I don't know
2: whether that's good or bad.
1: Yeah, I thought it was funny when I saw that. I, I, I saw your post and then I heard Aikman say it literally a split second after you posted it. And I thought, yeah, you think like a cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> So outside of Mullins, I I think, I mean, there's plenty of positives really. Um, You know, I think I'm doing George Kittle a disservice to say you can hardly call his performance a positive (laughs) because it's now the norm. Um,
2: it's, It's what we expect almost.
1: Yeah. And the notes I've made, I've put down. So George Kittle, four receptions, 180 yards, one touchdown. Uh, and that one-handed catch, I mean, holy sh- sherbet, that was fantastic. He has been voted to the mid-season All-Pro team as the starting tight end of NFL.com. And as a leading contender to displace Grunk on the season-end team, uh, I think grunk has been on there as the All-Pro tight end for the last five seasons now, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. So he'll be doing well if he gets on that team instead of a cronk. And to be honest, the way he's playing at the moment, he definitely deserves it. But again, George Kittle, he was absolutely excellent. Another positive, he continues to be consistent. He continues to rack up the yardage, the touchdowns. He makes important catches when we definitely need it. So when you yep. look at what pieces we need next season, mm-hmm. we'll obviously have Jet back. He's going to be a huge addition at uh, running back. We'll have Jimmy Garoppolo back at quarterback, um, pending any quarterback controversy. Um, Obviously, we'll we'll start and get the team gelled a bit more and whatever pieces we put in in the off-season as well. Um, But George Kittle is definitely one of our star players. It's a little bit unfortunate that he wears number 85 because I already have a number 85 jersey from, Mm. from a very good tight end in 49ers history. Um, but I think I'd be very tempted to get myself a, a kittle jersey.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, the last um, jersey of a current player that I bought was Eric Reed, and look how that turned out for me. So yeah. I've kind of stopped buying um, jerseys of current roster players, and I sort of just said to myself, right, I'm not getting burnt by this kind of stuff going on again. So I'll sort of uh, literally just stick to your sort of your legends. Of, of sort of days gone by, but the way that Kittle's playing at the minute, he's, uh, yeah, I might have to um, reevaluate my uh, position on uh, current players' jerseys the way he's going.
1: Yeah, he, he definitely deserves some love as far as the jerseys are concerned. Mm. So, again, uh, who, who else would you say had had a particularly good game?
2: I thought um, Pierre Garçon I think. We have um, we need to point out there that we've sort of been quite critical of him this season. He's not really put anything to the table all season, but he looks like a steady option for Mullins all night long, didn't he? Um, he did seem to have
1: with, some sort um, of chemistry there.
2: Yeah, I thought, maybe, I thought Jimmy Ward played well as well. and I th- Maybe the, the pair of them had a little bit more freedom and the fact that they didn't have any possible trade rumours over their head and they just went out there and, and performed for the team.
1: Yeah, that's possible, um, and I and I agree about Jimmy Ward. Um, I was pleasantly surprised at how well he played. Some of the tackles he made were really good. He, he wrapped them yeah. up straight away, didn't let them go. Because I haven't been able to watch the um, Coaches 22, I have no. absolutely no idea what the coverage was like because obviously the, the angles that you get on the mainstream broadcast aren't great. So, no. to be honest, I have no idea how well we covered in the game. Um, I'll, I'll need to have a look at that over the weekend, just, just to satisfy yeah, me. Yeah, likewise. One, yeah, just to satisfy me, we'll need to see if we have actually improved there. Um, but yeah, uh, both Pierre Carson and Jimmy Ward. I mean, Pierre, three receptions, 56 yards, one touchdown. The the touchdown, I mean, it was wide open. That was a blown coverage by the Raiders and it was mm. just a formality to walk into the end zone. The one I was more impressed with was the throw throwaway could have gone to either him or Richie James, um, and I thought Mullins did well to get the ball into that space for him. Basically hit Pierre yeah, Garçon in the stride, uh, and Garçon was off to the races. Um, so, yeah, yeah. He, he did really well. And there did seem to be some sort of chemistry beti- between the two. It just seemed to be a perfect throw and a perfect catch. Um, I I don't know how else to articulate that. It looked fluid rather than having to actually bend back to get the catch. It, It just looked as though it was timed so well.
2: Yeah, it did, yeah. Yeah, and the same could be said for Richie James as well. I thought he stepped up and played really well despite his drop. Did well in the absence of Trent Taylor. So, again, he's another exciting player. He's a young player. He's someone that we need to be seeing a lot more of now. Uh, this season to evaluate where he stands for next season. And I'm sure the way that he's progressing, he's firmly in the plans.
1: Well, hopefully he is. Was it just me, or did we seem to have a lot more open receivers yesterday? We did, yeah, didn't we? Early this morning. Now, is that due to the Raiders being that poor, or were we actually creating the separation
2: the I think it was a combina- combination of both, to be honest. Yeah. Definite combination of both. And yeah, and on the other side of the ball, I thought everyone again played really well. And again, I will exercise the caution and not try and get too excited because I, I feel bad for saying it, but it, it was the Raiders. Um, Solomon Thomas, he got a sack, didn't he? And <laughs> he didn't even get touch on the guy for it. I- yeah. It so- was a bit debatable whether-, whether that goes down as a sack for me, that. But hey... It shows up on the stat sheet, we'll take it.
1: So I think we've had that before in the past because I remember looking it up at the time and I nearly commented on the threat to say that needs to be accredited to the nearest defender because I remember reading that's yeah. what happened last time. So if the, uh, yeah. the quarterback runs out of bounds before he's crossed the line of scrimmage, it's classed as a sack and the nearest player to him is the person that gets yeah. a sack because effectively what they're saying is it was that defender that forced him to run out of bounds. Um, prior to that I think that happened two or three seasons ago when I had to look it up prior to that I always thought that you had to actually get the quarterback on the ground for, for it to mm. be called a sack um, but yeah I mean that was an yeah, eye well, for yeah his
2: forward progress at least
1: yeah, but yeah, but yeah I mean, and
2: again he played well at defensive tackle didn't he which is good because that's seemingly where he's doing his most damage uh, so again he's playing well there and um, Dakota Watson came in at defensive end and was excellent. He pretty much just ball rushed his way to a couple of those sacks and didn't give uh, the left tackle and and the right tackle any chance at all on a couple of those players. I thought Buckner, again, on the defensive line was good. He got another sack. Uh, Blair, again, another quarterback hit, another tackle for a loss, a sack. Um, I think I even saw him defend a pass at one point as well. Yeah. Eight sacks. I mean, you can't ask for much more than what our defence did. Three points in the game. It was brilliant, and it just goes to show what a little bit of uh, pressure and scheming does, doesn't it? All that pressure that we put on on Carr and, and on the Raiders' offense, it, it made a difference because we didn't get any turnovers, but we played some brilliant defense that only um, conceded three points.
1: Yeah, we certainly did. Uh, Cassius Marsh, Marsh, he had uh, yeah, three Marsh tackles, one. one assist, yeah. two and a half sacks, two tackles for losses. Um, somebody had mentioned in the group about uh, his karate kick celebration afterwards. <laughs> There's a particular reason he did that, and they gave that on the uh, broadcast, but I missed it. So if you YouTube it, I'm sure somebody will tell you why he does that particular celebratory, um, you can hardly call it a dance, I, I, I don't know what you would call that, celebratory move. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, I know I, there's a few people said, oh, I wish he wouldn't do that. But there's a reason he does it. I would imagine there's a reason that everybody chooses whatever celebratory moves to do. <laughs> um, so some other positives, uh, we didn't turn the ball over and uh, no nope. critical pen- penalties either. So, nope,
2: no, no, yeah. yeah, it's all good to see. Yeah, I thought Warner had a decent game as well, seven tackles. Yeah. And... We, we, well, we pretty much just forced the Raiders into punting on every possession, almost, didn't we? Other than the two missed field goals and the turnover on downs.
1: Yeah, T- Tyus Powell was very unlucky not to um, to get that interception, and it's just he was our, yeah,
2: a yeah. yeah. full stretch, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, just our luck from actually tip the ball up and actually help it onto the receiver <laughs> rather yeah. than catch it. I thought he was very, very unlucky there. Um, I can imagine that. Had we been beaten, that might have gone over in his head time and time again. But mm. yeah, I think he was very unlucky. Right, do you have any other positives?
2: Uh, no, I think that's pretty much covered most of it for me. Yes, uh, it was. You know, as like I say, we were we were efficient. I think we had a low first count, low first hand count. But a lot of that can be, con- you know, will be because we had quite a few huge plays that kept yeah. uh, that kept those plays down.
1: Yeah, agreed. So in, in other news, I'm sure everybody will be over the moon that um, Crystal's phone made it to the end of the game and she entertained <laughs> me with pictures of Andy Hodgson proudly displaying his birchard-free <laughs> arm as though it was fit to he eat did, your indeed, dinner yeah. off. <laughs> so he looked quite happy with himself in the picture, basically presenting his arm look <laughs> birdshit free this week.
2: And yeah, no, I texted him last night to say that I was absolutely chuffed for him, that They'd pulled out the bag for him because if, if we'd have lost that game on on his road trip out there, that would have been oh, yeah, that that would just be horrendous, wouldn't it? So, yeah, I, was, I te- texted him last night to say I'm absolutely chuffed for him that uh, that, that they pulled through and uh, won that game because you know he deserves that.
1: So, it wasn't just the win either, it was the performance because it was a really good performance. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah. you can sit through bad wins and still have the same feeling as though you've been beat. Um, but yeah, mm. we got the win and the put the performance in. So I'd also like to give a big shout out to the Oakland Raiders defensive end who changed his name at the start of the season and switched his initials round. So thank you, Frosty Rooker. <laughs> I had to look that up just to make sure that was a real name and I hadn't I hadn't <laughs> imagined it. You, you know what's like in the middle of the night, you you're sat watching the game. I mean I think I was uh, a quarter of a bottle of gin down as I was sat watching the game and I kept on hearing this name over and over again by the commentator thinking, no I, I, that's just not right I can I'm sh- I'm sure I must be making that up it's the gin talking but no <laughs> frosty rooker
2: that's you're a star commentator's nightmare isn't it that kind of name
1: it certainly is mm. so aside from the game um obviously mustard he'll be going on to IR at the moment, uh, we've got Breda and we've got Morris as our two running backs in the 53-man roster. Outside of that in the practice squad, we've got Jeff Wilson, who's a rookie out of North Texas, and Matt Dayes, who I believe is in his third year and he came out of North Carolina State. So potentially in the next few days, we could see either Jeff Wilson or Matt Daze being promoted from the practice squad, or, as we've already yeah. mentioned, potentially we might even go out and sign somebody like Shane Vereen, who, was, who is a very good fit for Shanahan's offence. So mm. it'll be an interesting couple of days, definitely for the two guys on the practice squad, to see if they get promoted up to the full squad.
2: Definitely. Yeah, I think one of those guys will probably come up. We'll um, just have to see what, what other injuries and what other uh, movements there will be through the week as to whether we do actually go out and... Uh, Bring somebody in, or, or like you say, whether we do just promote one of the guys up. Yeah. Have you got
1: any tips for us this week?
2: I have, but I've just got one burning question that I need to ask about the game last night, and and that is, well, more it it's one question that leads on to another. Like, does Derek Carr wear guyliner?
1: <laughs> I I am certain he does. I know I mentioned it in the about. group thread because <laughs> every time I looked at him, I thought. Yeah, has he got eyeliner on? And he's makeup, Has he got yeah. lipstick?
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I think and it's a realist kind
2: of thing. Me to th- yeah, maybe it is, yeah. It's kind of then prompted me to think, well, is he a millennial that, you know, does he listen to My Chemical Romance pre-game and post-game? And does he have a safe place to go when he's offended? That, those are the real burning questions that I'm thinking about last night now.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, I think they definitely need to be answered.
2: Um, and he definitely does need a safe place after last night, actually.
1: <laughs> well, I think I think it was interesting that he got benched, but I don't think he got benched because of his play as such. No,
2: it's just I, preservation, wasn't
1: it? That's right, because he was getting sacked far too many times. So I think they thought, yeah. well, this game is out of hand. We, we're not coming back. Let's take him off and protect him for next season. Because, I mean, Gruden has essentially ripped that team apart and it's just stockpiling yeah. their draft picks. And obviously he's just moved up in value in draft picks with that loss last night to us. Uh, and we subsequently have moved down a little bit.
2: Yeah, but even if you if you were an Oakland Raiders fan or Las Vegas Raiders or whatever the hell they're going to be, even with three first-round picks next year, even if it is the first overall pick, would you not still be somewhat concerned about how that team, quote-unquote, performed last night and has been performing this season? And will three first-round picks this season, plus free agency and two um, first-round picks in 2020, is that enough to turn them round? Because they were dreadful, weren't they?
1: So if I was a Raiders fan uh, and known the history behind Gruden, his coaching history, uh, I would be very concerned. Because yeah, in be the past massively when, concerned. Yeah, in the past when Gruden's had any sort of success, he's actually come into a roster that's already been built, but he's made them yeah, he has, yeah. poten- potential rather than actually build a roster. So what are the pieces he's doing this time is something he's never, ever done before. And that is strip yeah. out everything that's there and build something in his own image. So it's going to be interesting to see how that works out. We've got nothing to go on because I mean, when he went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he took over a really good side. Anyway, it was a really good roster. Yeah, they just weren't playing the were, potential. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd be worried if sack I was the, a Realist um, fan.
2: general manager there as well. Reggie McKenzie, I think he's going to sack him in the off season and. Uh, He's probably going to do the draft himself, possibly.
1: That wouldn't surprise us. It wouldn't surprise us. It, it be
2: could that. be the new sort of um, Jerry Jones or Al Davis.
1: Yeah. Which would suit him down at the ground.
2: Yeah, it's fine by me. You crack on, pal. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah it's, it's a bit sad that there's going to be no more battle Battle of the beer. Um, Granted, it only comes around once, approximately once every seven years, and there's generally crowd yeah. crowd trouble when it does happen. Um, apparently, the ones yeah, last there was night, the Yeah. Yeah. So it's probably is a good thing that they are leaving. However, that begs the question: Are we start? Will we start and get readers fans coming down to Levi's just so they can get the fix? Yeah. Fix foot? Possibly.
2: Quite possibly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's it's uh, it's one of those situations that we we haven't experienced here in the in the UK, really, is it? Other than the uh, MK Dons and Wimbledon and a few sort of non-league teams who have uh, merged and stuff. But yeah, if, if you're a, sort of a, a general or generic football fan who lives in, in Oakland or San Francisco and you've kind of followed the Raiders or picked up the Raiders as your team, you're not really probably going to go to Vegas very often. So yeah, the, the next step is to sort of look down and go down to Santa Clara and see the 49ers, I guess, if if, if just seeing football is your thing. Yeah, I don't know whether the, the diehards are obviously not going to come down and, and change, but I would imagine you're probably going to pick up some that you're going to come down and, and probably watch.
1: Yeah, I would imagine that as well. Yeah. Right, so how many tips you got for us this week, Brian?
2: Um, I've got a couple, depends how long we want to go for, really.
1: Right, so, so it all uh, depends the first on how one. long it is. Uh, yeah, so you got, yeah, I've, I've only got long. the one, so I'll sandwich mine in between yours.
2: All right, so the first one then um, is the down in the Presidio near the Golden Gate Bridge. There's the the Walt Disney Museum and also a Star Wars museum. The Disney Museum is a tribute to Walt Disney himself. Um, It's the kind of thing that I expected to see on Orlando from the holidays there, really. But the only place that I've really seen anything um, about that is the, I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head, but there's like the museum in Magic Kingdom. Him, isn't there just as you go through to where the new toy story land is but that pretty much um, details all sort of all of his life and his struggles to catch a break before eventually sort of finding it and if you're into all that and into disney then yeah you, you'll really enjoy it my missus absolutely loved it in there and then just around the corner from that you've then got the star wars museum or the george lucas film studios museum um, which i didn't actually go in but by all accounts it's uh, it's worth seeing if you're into all that Believe it or not, I only watched the Star Wars films for the first time about two years ago.
1: Yeah, I find that but hard to
2: believe. Statues, yeah, the Yoda statue's um, right outside. Uh, there's a coffee shop there. So it's just a nice, uh, some nice peaceful gardens that you can stroll around, uh, a few waterfalls and decorative gardens and stuff, which is, uh, yeah, there's a couple of good museums and a nice garden to sort of whittle away half a day or so down there, which is, uh, yeah, it's nice. It's a bit of a trek to get out there again, but it's uh, somewhat different that maybe people don't know is there that's... Uh, well worth your time if you're into museums and Disney and Star Wars.
1: Yeah, I think I'll definitely be going to those next time I go over there. Um, Believe it or not, I think it was while we were there last year, that was the first time that I'd actually noticed that they were there. I I didn't realise before. Um, And because uh, last year we didn't really structure things well. Oh, Actually, we did, but the way things happened on our very first day kind of meant we completely restructured everything straight away and it left us with no mm. time, so we basically run around. Um, had I had the time, I'd have gone to see both the Walt Disney Museum and the Star Wars Museum. Yeah. So my tip this week is actually something I've never been on myself, but I've had a few friends all do this tour, and they've all used exactly the same tour company as well, and it's the One Day Yosemite Tour from San Francisco, and you can get okay. that via yosemitetours.com. It's approximately $160 each um, you get picked up at six o'clock in the morning it's, it's a really long day you get picked up at six o'clock in the morning from your hotel as long as your hotel is one of the designated ones but there's that many hotels on the list if your hotel isn't it's literally a short walk away to the next one that is um, so you start six o'clock in the morning and you don't get back until half yet at night but it's a really good trip. Uh, you, you get to Yosemite about 11 o'clock. You'll have two hours where you can uh, wander about Yosemite, have a look at some of the sites there before you move on to the main sites at Yosemite at one o'clock where you'll see the Bridal Veil Falls, El Capitan, um, Inspiration Point, Half Dome, uh, and a lot more. And it's it's unbelievable to see, I'm willing to believe. Um, it's definitely something that's on my list. And I think I keep on putting off because I'm kind of waiting until I can take uh, my two sons over there. It's the same with Muir Woods as well. Mm. I want to go and see it, but I want to take my kids to see it. Um, So this is one that I've been putting off for a little bit. Uh, But, yeah, that's one that comes highly recommended from a few different people from the UK who, who are members of the group. And they've all been on it and they've all said, yeah, definitely use Yosemite tours. They were absolutely fantastic and they couldn't fault them
2: excellent yeah I've not been myself but um like like you I've uh I've had sort of several friends who've gone out there and done it and they've all said that it's absolutely uh fantastic but every time I've been out there I've uh I've ended up just sort of being in and around the city all the time so I've not not ventured out to those parts yet and sort of talking to the city that was going to be my next thing and it's a bit of a negative one really but it's kind of something that I don't think we've really pointed out yet but you've got sort of two areas in san francisco which are obviously the tenderloin and and the sort of the civic hall area and it's pretty much just to say that these are the kind of areas that you really don't want to be going around particularly at night as well they're quite easily found on the maps and um, as i've experienced they're quite easy to stray into if you're not on the ball as well and you don't really want to look like a tourist at night in those kind of areas because the homeless problem in the city is is quite bad, isn't it? And yeah, it is. In fact, it's yeah. I, I, in fact, I probably go as far as to say it, it's it's shocking, um, and people really shouldn't go blindly into San Francisco and not be made aware of it. Really, I'm sure most are anyway. If you go to any seemingly any um, major American city, then these are things that you're going to encounter. But some things you can never really be prepared for, like when you see people shooting up in the street or people squatting and going to the toilet in the street and people hassling you in the street. It's, uh, it's just one of those things that if you do straight into these areas, you will prepare to, you, know, you need to be prepared to see the worst of the worst sort of thing. And um, you've also then got to not get sucked into seeing quote unquote homeless people who wear better trainers than what you do because I've seen people sort of plead in poverty, sat in doorways of stores and stuff only to then go into Starbucks or to a coffee shop and make calls on their mobile phones. So I would say don't get sucked into giving those people money and ignore them. And it can be difficult to sort of see the difference between a real homeless person and what I would describe as a professional homeless person who kind of prey on the tourist trade and people that are there that may get intimidated by them and end up giving them money. So the the sort of kind of tip there that I would just get to is if you do want to give, then a little tip would be to look at their shoes before you do give because then you know you potentially feed in someone who is a professional homeless person I know it's not a particularly nice thing to talk about and stuff but I think you know if you've got any common sense you'll be aware of this anyway but it's just I mean the first time I went to Chicago in 2007 I was horrified by you know the amount of the the homeless people that were there and it was in January it was freezing cold and uh, it was horrible but yeah San Francisco at times can be really really bad and some of these areas like like the Tenderloin and stuff it it's uh, it's places that you really don't want to be getting getting stuck in at night
1: yeah and even it, in the agreed. day so so early on in a different episode i think it was the second or third episode i i did mention um uh Mission or Turganedi. So that, that that street there is in the Tenderloin, just as the Tenderloin starts after after the uh, Union Square area. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, once you go south on Market, once you pass about Fifth Street, Fifth and Market. Yeah. That's when straight away you can notice it. It, it drops down suddenly. Um, back yeah. Back in twenty fifteen, when both David and myself went across there, we were going up to um Keysar Stadium for the Turkey Bowl, mm. so we were trying to catch the bus, and we kept on walking up Market Street, uh, and we got to where um, the Westfield Mall is, which is in between Fourth and Fifth yeah, Street. Yeah. um uh, But we yeah. kept on walking, and straight away, as soon as you got <laughs> south of Fifth Street, both me and David—I mean, I'm six foot tall, David's six foot four. The pair of us know how to handle ourselves, but the pair of us were both looking at each other thinking, you know what, (laughs) let's walk back along that way to where the Westfield Mall is and we'll catch the bus along there. Because Yeah, yeah, start
2: it out and turn around, yeah. Yeah,
1: you you can tell straight away. So it is, I mean, you're right, San Francisco is by far the worst place I've seen for homelessness. It is a really big Mm. problem, so is the drug problem. Um, But as long as you keep it the right areas... There's no need to be uh, afraid of going to San Francisco because it is such a no, beautiful not city. Just have some uh, street smart about you. Just keep your eyes open.
2: Yeah, yeah. And Market Street is the perfect example. that because, uh, the perfect example of that? Because, like you say, you'd be sort of strolling down there, and you've got your Prada and your Gucci, and then you've got your Westfield Mall, and then you cross the road, and you've got, say, Walgreens and a couple of other stores, and then you get across to the next block, and there's a boarded up shop, and then the next thing it's uh, a liquor store, and and then uh we we buy your gold and we cash your checks here, and then you're like okay that's kind of uh, gone yeah. downhill pretty quick. So uh, yeah, you've got to be pretty savvy because like you say, sort of fourth, fifth street, it's not too bad. Fifth and sixth street, it tends to go down, and then once you're down to seventh it. and that, you yeah you're you're in uh, you're in a world of hurt down there.
1: So so you, you couldn't you couldn't have said that any better. Fifth and sixth street, it does start to go down. You start to notice it as soon as you get uh, south of sixth street, going on to seventh street, it's a, it's a rapid off the edge of a cliff decline
2: Um, it is yeah yeah. huge
1: and you can actually see
2: guys fighting and stuff down there and everything it's been pretty pretty brutal down there
1: yeah unbelievable right Mm. thank you for your tips
2: so yeah not not trying to end on a on a on a negative there but i think it's just worthwhile that we sort of glorify san francisco and to be fair it's probably one of my favorite places to go and i wouldn't ever stop going there but it's uh it's just something that people need to be aware of, and I'm sure people are. I'm not trying to teach anyone to suck eggs here, but it's just—I uh, think it's just good to to know these things. It's a, bit, it's a bit like when you go to London and places like that, and there's uh, there's good places and bad places. That's right.
1: Yeah. Right, fantastic. So I'm glad we're going into the weekend, uh, happy off the back of a win. Um, I think it's yeah. definitely cheered up a lot of people, especially the performance. Um, I mentioned on the show on Tuesday, I've ordered a new flag with the new colours. Uh, so once that arrives, I'll put some photos on the group page. If anybody's interested in having one themselves, let me know. Um, obviously, it gets cheaper the more people want one. So if I can put a, a, a group of orders in, and um, then it gets a little bit cheaper. I've also ordered myself a hoodie. Now, this hoodie is one that I've designed myself on uh, a make your own t-shirt make your own custom hoodie um website so once that arrives i'll also take some photos of that now that's a little bit more expensive than what the old hoodies were i think the old hoodies came out about 20 pound um whereas this one actually came out at 39 pound um i have no idea what the quality is like which is why i've ordered a single one so i can check out what the quality is like see how the badge comes because the i think the iron on badges that come on but pretty much like the old ones were um so i'll check that out and put some pictures in the group page i know alan niner gardner i think it is he's definitely interested so he's looking forward to seeing what the the pictures of the actual product look like and to be honest i mean obviously i'm i'm quite excited to see what it looks like as well um so i'll put those up And again if anybody wants one let us know um it's not quite the same as before we don't have our own shop open at present it is something we we think about reactivating um this is mainly just a build your own custom hoodie or t-shirt so you can do it any way you want thanks for listening guys um looking forward to a weekend break actually i'm looking forward to being able to sit down on monday sunday night and not worry about how the 49ers are going to play and actually just yeah, get uh, a, a decent time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think last night's one hour difference made a huge difference to the way I feel. Yeah, this absolutely, morning. it did. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel a lot fresher this morning, Oh, as it is this afternoon. Yeah. So, great. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, all feedback's appreciated. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast please subscribe to the YouTube channel. I think we are only 14 uh, subscribers short now, and then I can change the channel ID to 49 Affairful UK, which means that every time anybody searches 49ers in something like Google or Bing or Ask Jeeves, our website or our YouTube channel will be one of the things that comes up. And obviously then that, for, uh, that gives links to Facebook, Twitter, the podcasts, and it just gets a lot more exposure for the UK Booster Club. So it'd be much. Is still a that. thing.
2: Is that is that still a search engine? I'm
1: not sure, but it just popped into me. No, I, was going to say, I haven't heard about
2: that since about 1996. <laughs> well,
1: I might be showing sure my age then. <laughs> I mean, at least I didn't see a Netscape Navigator. I could have went yeah, that
2: yeah.
1: far. but uh, <laughs> Yeah. So don't forget to subscribe, guys. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Cheers.
0: 49 is deep in the heart, like Joe Montana in the corner, D. Clark. Garrison Hurst, Stiff Farm going 99. Don't get it twisted, one and all, with prime time. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the sideline. NDB, greatest on the up all time. Groovy, Walgreens, Bill Belichick. We're all students of Bill Walsh. Don't ever forget.